those else, but just kept going back to this passage of Scripture, Philippians chapter number 3. I appreciate all the good singing tonight and appreciate coming in tonight. So all the uh, Christmas decorations that they put up Sunday night and Fellowship Hall is decorated so nice. And so thank the ladies for all the good work they've been doing. Amen. Don't you thank God we have women in the church? Hey, wouldn't nothing ever get decorated around here if it was just up to us men. And if it was, there's no telling what he'd look like. So uh, uh, thank God for the ladies. And uh, we're looking forward to this coming Sunday. Our Christmas dinner will be a good time. Uh, food and fellowship after the service. And so looking forward to what God's going to do. Philippians chapter number 3. If you're able to stand with us tonight. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 15. Philippians 3 and verse number 15. The Bible said, Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if anything ye be, if any, if thing ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is, is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Father, I pray now in Jesus' name, God, that you would bless the reading of thy word. I pray that you'll speak to our hearts. May you be glorified and magnified. Thank you for the good singing we've heard tonight. We ask you now to have your will and your way. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to notice in verse number 15 tonight, I want you to see how this passage of Scripture opens up. As it opens up, I want you to notice the people. The Bible said, Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect. We know that word perfect is not simply talking about sinless uh, perfection, but it's talking about full maturity in the Christian faith. And I think if there's anybody that would identify as a fully mature Christian, it would have been the Apostle Paul. And Paul talks about himself in verse Verse number 14, as he said, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Paul was a, a mature Christian, but Paul said, as, let us therefore as many as be perfect. He's talking about this fully mature crowd, this crowd that is aged in the faith, those who have walked with God. He said, there's something that I want to draw your attention to. And he talks about the people. Then he talks about the practice. He said, I want you to be thus minded. In other words, uh, uh, what I'm about to say, the instructions, the truths that I'm about to give. It's not just for those that are starting out, but it is for those who have been in the way. We're to be thus minded. You know, we're to all be of the same mind, of one accord. The Bible says there's to be unity amongst the saints. Amen? If there's going to be unity in the church and amongst the saints, it's got to start with our mind. Amen? And then it'll be in our heart. And then it'll be in our hands. But, but Paul talks about the people here. He talks about the practices that we 
we're to be involved. We're to be thus minded. And then he talks about the protesters. Look what he said. And if anything ye be, uh, and if in, if if any uh, uh, thing ye be otherwise minded, Amen. In other words, Paul said, if there are those that that thinks otherwise, uh, you know, there's always people. It doesn't matter what's preached; they're going to think otherwise. You know what I'm talking about? There's always. It doesn't matter what's voted on; they're going to think otherwise. And Paul says, uh, uh, "Listen, we can't live that way. Uh, no matter if you've been saved just a short span, uh, or if you've been in this way a long ways, uh, uh, we still got to be pulling in the same direction. We got to have the same mindset about the truth and about the practices of the Word of God." And so Paul talks about those that protest that God shall reveal even this unto you. What is it, Paul? Look what he said in verse number 16. He gives this path here. He said, Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us mind the same thing. Paul gives a path in verse number 16 and he gives a pattern here that we're to live by and that is that we're to live by the same rule and we're to have, we are to mind the same thing. You see tonight uh, when we think about the principles and we think about the doctrines and the teaching of the word of God, it really doesn't matter what level we may be on tonight spiritually as individuals. Uh, we're to still all to have the same mindset. Can I get a witness right there? We're all to live by the same rules. Amen. That means there's no exceptions for me. There's no exceptions for you. I mean this Bible is presented and it's cut uh, for every one of our lives. Amen. And I'm telling you when you get saved, God will give you the book. Uh, he'll give you somebody to preach the book or somebody to teach the book to you. And you and I are to swallow it. We're to digest it. And God's not going to make an exception for me. He's not going to make an exception for you. But the principles uh, and the precepts and the practices of the Word of God, they're for every single one of us regardless of who we are. Isn't that right? Now sometimes people want to live as if God has given them special privileges. But can I tell you something? Every one of us are special to God tonight as His children. But on the other side of that coin, God doesn't have no special children. We're all God's children tonight if we're saved. And I want to preach tonight on this subject on we have not arrived. We have not arrived. That's what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying to, to those of us that have been saved for even a long time, to those of us in verse number 15, that as many as be perfect, Paul said, nevertheless, uh, in verse 16, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Paul said, I want you to know, it doesn't matter if you've been saved five minutes or 50 years, uh, we've not arrived, amen? As long as we live in this life, uh, as long as we we live in this body. Uh, God give us this book. And you know some people say well I just don't like to go to church where there's all them rules. Well look what Paul said in verse number 16. Let us walk by the same rule. Amen. I'm telling you God's book is a rule book. Isn't that right? Uh, regardless of what this liberal crowd would say. Regardless of what modernists would say today. Uh, God gave us some rules to live by. And you know rebels have their rules. Amen. You know what the first rule of a rebel is? Is we don't live by nobody 
everybody's rule. Amen? I mean, that's their rule. If you're going to be a rebel, everybody has rules is what I'm saying. The devil has rules. If you're going to live by his way, you're going to live by the devil's rules. The world has rules tonight. If you're going to go the way of the world, you're going to live by their rules. And can I tell you something? God's rules, they're a whole lot more blessed and they're a whole lot more better than the devil's rules tonight and the world's rules. If you live by the way of the flesh, you're going to live by its rules. And I'm telling you, there's rules no matter which direction you go. But Paul said, we that are saved, he said, let us mind the same rule. Amen. You know why? Because we've not arrived. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved tonight. You haven't arrived. The, more, the longer you have been a Christian, I think the more that becomes a reality to our life that we've not arrived. Humility is not born overnight, but it is developed in the heart of a child of God. The longer we serve Him, the sweeter He grows, the songwriter said. And the sweeter He grows is because the more we love Him and the more we lean on Him because we realize our own insufficiency and we realize that we cannot do it within ourselves. As we grow stronger in God, we see our own weakness in the flesh and we have no confidence. That's why Paul said that earlier in this passage of scripture and we're to live by the same rules as Christians tonight and so what Paul does in these verses verse 17 down to verse number 21 he gives us some things uh, that tonight we need to remember as we live by these rules that God has given because we have not arrived Uh, and let us remember these things tonight uh, because we have not arrived Uh, I would say number one because we've not arrived uh, let us follow the examples Amen. Look at what verse 17 said. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. You see, Paul was the agent. And what he's telling these people at Philippi is don't live by your example. You've got some good examples in your life. You've got faithful Paul. Look what he said. Be followers together of me. And there's no arrogancy in what Paul is saying. Paul has lived for God. He's proven himself. He's been an example. He's not elevating himself. In fact, if you read Paul's epistles, you know that Paul did not spend any time talking about himself. And when Paul mentioned himself, even in this chapter, he talked about everything that he used to be. And he said, I count every bit of that but dung. Amen. Uh, Paul was not one to elevate personality. But Paul said, I have lived the Christian life. Uh, And Paul said, I have went the right way. And I have done what is right. And if you're going to live for God, you need to follow the example that I've laid before you. And then not only is there faithful Paul, but there's other faithful people. You see, Paul didn't make verse 17 all about Paul. But Paul said, you follow me. But he said, you mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. You see, Paul said, you've been given a lot of examples in your life. And you look at those that have been faithful. I would say to you and I tonight, we need to remember that. We've not arrived. God has put people in our life no matter how young or how old you are. God has put somebody in your life uh, uh, to be an example to you and to me. And we're to follow their example in our life. You know, God uses different people at different times, doesn't He? And when we think about examples, we think about older people, and we should. But sometimes God will even put others that are younger than us in our life to be an example in different ways, in different forms, in different fashions. Faithful brethren, 
An example is not someone uh, that is elevated. It's not popularity. It's not talent. That's not an example tonight. It's not notoriety. That's not an example tonight. Uh, Listen, it's not prestige. Uh, It's not results. That's not what an example is. You say, well, what is an example? It's those that have been faithful uh, to walk by the same rule and to mind the same thing. That's what Paul is saying. Those that have been consistent. Those that have walked with God. Those that have not changed, those that have not compromised. Uh, it's not easy to pick, or it's not hard to pick out somebody that's been a good example in life. Uh, and listen, those that have been great examples, uh, they don't have to tote it. Uh, they don't have to uh, go around and tell people about it. I mean, listen, you and I know those. Uh, they immediately come to our mind, people that are great examples. Is that right tonight? You know, oftentimes there are those that want to build themselves up. There are those that think they have arrived. We've seen people like that. They think that they, uh, in their mind, they they have built themselves up. They're legends in their own mind. I mean, you've met people like that. You don't have to listen to them talk too long. Uh, And listen, their favorite subject is themselves. Amen? Uh, They like to talk about themselves. They like to to mention their accomplishments. They like for people to know what they have done. They're always, uh, uh, listen, sounding a trumpet in their life and letting people know uh, uh, where they have been and what they have accomplished. Uh, And that's just who they are. You don't have to worry about anybody keeping a record on their life, including God. Amen? Because they done got a good record of everything wrote down. And they'll probably whip it out at the judgment seat if they could. But I'm telling you, friend, listen, those are not the examples we need to follow. I'm telling you, faithful men never talk about themselves. Faithful men never elevate themselves. Faithful men never see themselves as anything worth elevating. But thank God we just look at their life. We see their Consistency. We see the fact that they've not changed. We see the fact that they've not compromised. And what a great example they've been to us. Amen. I appreciate people like that. Humble servants of God. I thought about people that have compromised. And this thought came to my mind this afternoon. I think I can say I've lived long enough to safely make this statement. I think about people that Down through the years, you've heard people talk about Pharisees. We've all heard preaching on Pharisees, and certainly there are Pharisees. But I was thinking this afternoon about from the time that I got saved till right now, how many Pharisees have I run into in life? I've ran into very few Pharisees that thought they were better than others because of their convictions and standards. Now, is there people like that that think that because of certain things they do that they're automatically more spiritual than other people? Well, sure there is. But I've not run into that many people in my lifetime like that. Some, but not near as many as the other crowd I'm fixing to tell you about. You say, Brother Graff, and I'll tell you something, I grew up in camp meetings. But I didn't grow up around a ton of Pharisees that thought I'm a better Christian than others because I I don't do this and I don't do that. Met a few. But I met a lot of these Pharisees that they left the old time way and they went another way and they couldn't go the way that supposedly is right and more biblical, they say. But they spend a lot of their time telling their story of how that they were used and abused in the old time way. 
They spend a lot of time, uh, listen, criticizing others that are just staying the course that they used to be on. They spend their time uh, uh, talking about them and, and criticizing them. You know what Pharisees were known for? Their criticism. And I thought about it. You know, it's amazing in the time that I've been saved, and maybe it's just in my life, maybe it's not in yours, but I thought, man, I've met more Pharisees to the other side of that ditch of, of compromise than I have to the side that, that went too far, maybe in the ditch of some things that, that were not scriptural. And you say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying mark it down. Don't follow that crowd that has changed the course. I promise you, if God told them it was wrong 35 years ago, it's still wrong today. Amen? And if God ever convicted them about it they was either wrong then or they're wrong now amen and I would say by the way that they're saying and the things that they're doing and their life doesn't get more spiritual that's for sure if you take a good look at them it gets more worldly it gets more carnal y'all still with me tonight I'd say by the looks of that they're not faithful men amen but I look at men and women that have just stayed true to God down through the years they've just walked with God they've never sounded a horn about anything they've read their Bible and prayed and witnessed to people and lived clean and lived separated from this world. I'm telling you, they don't have anything to defend. You know why? Because they've been faithful to God. They're not trying to prove anything to this world. That's the kind of Christian I want to stay by the grace of God. I want to die on the front line. I want to die on the battlefield. I want to die strong in convictions. I want to die fundamentalist. Somebody said, man, I want to die King James. I want to die believing in the old time way. I want to die separated from this world I want to die dedicated and consecrated to the cause of Christ and the will of God I'm saying don't you want to just stay faithful in this hour amen I would say we've not arrived no I've not arrived I'll be the first to tell you I've not arrived but I want to follow them examples I tell you I want to follow men like brother Sammy Allen and brother Stanley Blue. I want to follow men like, like uh, uh, Brother Lester Roloff and Oliver B. Green and, and we could just name person Harold B. Seitler. I want to follow. And what about people that come along and say they've had it wrong and all of a sudden they, they've got it right and they either become a martyr or they become a victim. You know why? Because they're trying to play the cover up because they backed up on God and they've got too much pride to admit it. Why don't they just admit that they've just backed up on God? They're just not what they used to be. But don't you thank God for people that would not change, uh, that would not compromise, that would not back up. Hey, those are great examples for us to live by tonight. We've not arrived. And a good reminder is to follow the examples. Number two, fear the enemy. There's enemies out there tonight and Paul mentions it here in verse number 18. Notice their discipleship. He said, for many walk. You know something about these enemies tonight? They can't produce anything. So what they do is they have to proselyte those who have been taught the truth. They have to go after those. They're heretics. They're, uh, listen, wolves in sheep's clothing. And, and when people compromise, you remember this tonight about compromise. When people compromise, they always want to take somebody with them. And they will take anybody that will go down the path that they're going down. These people here in this text, uh, they were false teachers and false doctrine, uh, taught false doctrine. They were enemies of the cross. And their discipleship is that it is popular for many ones 
walk. Notice that. Hey, let me just tell you something tonight. Just because it's popular, it doesn't mean it's God. Amen? And just because it's popular, it doesn't mean it has God's approval and that God is in it. I'm telling you, when it goes against the bounds of the Word of God, when it goes against Scripture, you stay with what's right. And the God has always been in the minority. God has always been with a few. Uh, Jesus had 12 apostles. Amen? I'm telling you, it wasn't many. The Bible said, in fact, uh, at one point, many didn't walk with Him anymore. And some followed Him afar off. Uh, but thank God for that crowd uh, uh, that said, hey, listen, there's a lot of enemies of the cross, uh, uh, but I'm going to stick with the stuff. Amen? And when we think about the enemies of the cross, we must consider their discipleship. They're never satisfied at going their own way. They've always got to take somebody with them. And we think about their dislike. Look what the Bible says. Uh, Paul says now, he said, I tell you even weeping that they are enemies uh, of the cross of Christ. Uh, hey, hear me tonight. You know why some people are never going to accept you for who you are? It's not because they dislike you. It's because they dislike who you stand for. They dislike who you love. Uh, this world is never going to embrace Christianity. Christianity is never going to be popular. If you're wanting to be popular, you cannot be popular and be a Christian at the same time. Yea, and all that will live godly shall suffer persecution. A child of God, we're the light of this world, but we're also the salt of the earth. And salt irritates a wound. And can I tell you tonight, the world is tolerating us because they're enemies of the cross of Christ. Amen. I think about their dis dislike. Their, I think about their destruction whose end is destruction. Hear me tonight, young people. You know I preach this to you often. Don't think about how they're doing right now. Look at their end. Look at the end of those that go another way. Look at the end of those that, that, that go the path, that, that, that lives an ungodly path. Read Psalms chapter 1. She read a verse out of it just a while ago. Psalms 1 through 3 is great verses. Amen. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of the scornful. But his delight, notice that word blessed, and his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate a day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. He's got fruit. Uh, his leaf also shall, uh, shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth, listen, young people, shall prosper. Amen. I'm telling you, those are some happy verses in those first three verses. Uh, blessed, delight, uh, uh, fruit, uh, uh, prosper. That's the way of God. Amen. Uh, if you live for God. But the next verse says, but the ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly hear this last word shall perish amen I'm telling you look at the end of those there is a way that seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof you gotta consider the end the end thereof is the ways of death tonight I'll be honest with you I have no regrets of living for Jesus in my youth I have no regrets of living for Christ and living for Jesus in my middle age. And if God lets me live to be old by the grace of God, I plan on living for God in my golden years. You know why? Because I got no regrets. You say, have you done everything right? No. I've got regrets about my failures, but I've got no regrets about being saved, no regrets about selling out, no regrets about serving God. I got no regrets about living right. I got no regrets about 
about living holy? Have I arrived? No, I've not arrived. Have I done everything God wants me to do? No. But thank God I can raise my hand tonight and say I've not lived with liquor on my breath. I've not lived out there in the hell holes of this old sinful world. I've not arrived. But oh, thank God I'm glad. I've not wallowed in sin. I'm glad I've not got out there and lived the paths of wickedness tonight. I've not lived the way of a transgressor. Oh, I've had to ask God to forgive me more times than I could ever remember. But you hear me tonight. I've never been sorry for one night that I pillowed my head and could wake up the next morning in my right mind and not have to remember or forget what I did the night before. I'm telling you, living for Jesus has been worth every mile. It's been worth every trial. It's been worth every valley. It's been worth every hilltop. It's been worth every disappointment. It's been worth every sad story. I'm telling you, He is. And He always has been. And He still is the best thing that's ever happened in my life. Hallelujah tonight. I'm telling you, I wouldn't trade Jesus for dope. I wouldn't trade him for rock music. I wouldn't trade him for perversion tonight. I wouldn't trade him for a dance floor. I wouldn't trade him for a honky-tonk. I wouldn't trade him for a lottery ticket. I wouldn't trade him for nothing tonight. Hallelujah. He's good, isn't he? I wouldn't trade him tonight for the fashion of this world. I'm telling you, I don't look too fashionable tonight. I got squares and dots on. That's probably, I mean, if you called the fashion police on me tonight, they'd probably want to write me a ticket. But I don't care about this world's fashion tonight. I don't care about their parties. I don't care about their celebrities. I don't care about their sports arenas and their fans. I don't care about their athletes tonight. I don't care about their, uh, listen, I don't care about their Grammys and their Emmys, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it tonight. Uh, I don't care about all the times that they're having. Uh, I'm telling you, listen, the world can have their parties tonight. Uh, they can have their honky-tonks. Uh, they can have their hell holes tonight. Uh, I'm telling you, just give me Jesus. Amen. Uh, you just give me a place somewhere on the side of the road uh, where I can feel the breeze from another world. I sweep over my soul. Hallelujah. I'm telling you tonight I've not arrived. But it is the best way. I wouldn't trade shoes with nobody tonight. I'm telling you it's good to be saved. It's good to know Him in the free pardon of sin tonight. Hallelujah. You can shout on a Wednesday night. Some of y'all need to know that. Amen. I'm telling you, God's good on Sunday. But if the only time I got cranked up was on Sunday morning, I'd turn in my papers tonight. Amen. But I'm telling you, God's good on a cold Wednesday night. When it's dark outside, He's light down in my soul. He's glory down in my soul. I'm telling you, this is better than crack tonight. This is better than booze. This is better than anything. Hallelujah. I wouldn't trade Jesus for a million dollars tonight. Amen. I wouldn't trade him for a sports car. I wouldn't, listen, I'm telling you tonight, if I was a young boy, I wouldn't trade him for some pretty girl. If I was a girl, and thank God I'm not a girl, somebody say amen right there. In a world when people don't even know if they're a boy or a girl, I'm glad, thank God I'm not a girl. But I wouldn't trade him for a boy tonight. Somebody say amen right there. I'm telling you, friend, it's good to be saved and to know him. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm just telling you, we've not arrived. But you better follow the examples. 
You better fear the enemies in life. They've, there's plenty of them. Their end is destruction. Their degradation. The Bible said whose God is their belly. Their appetites for this old world. Lust. Their disgrace. Whose glory. Notice what their glory is. Is their shame. You ever notice that about people? They like to glory in their sin. And we're living in a society. And I listen, I don't care if it hair lips the whole world what I'm about to say. We're living in a society, they want to shame us to the point we get silent about things. They don't want us preaching on sodomy tonight. Boy, I tell you, they sure want to pump it on the television screens. You can't even be in a restaurant somewhere. And my Lord, you're in a restaurant trying to, to eat and you want to puke in a bucket. You know why? Because they got two men on there uh, hugging and kissing. I'm going to tell you, it's wicked. It's ungodly. It's an abomination before God. And God will put a curse on that generation, uh, my friend. And we're never going to accept that. Can we get an amen? I'm telling you, what's sicker than that is we got people claiming to be preachers uh, uh, that have accepted that lifestyle. They're not preachers. Uh, they're enemies of the cross is what they are. I'm telling you, God's always been against that. You say, preacher, where do you fall? I fall on the side God's own. I'm against everything this book is against. I'm for everything this book is for. And God said that's an abomination. It's a stench in the nostrils of a thrice holy God. And we still got to cry loud. We still got to preach against it. I want every young person in this building to know that sodomy is sin. And my friend, it's unnatural affection. It's a mark of the last days. It's a seducing spirit and God will judge them for that tonight. While I believe that God will save any sinner, God will also judge that sin. I'm telling you, God's judging this country tonight. And I, they want to shame us. They want to make us, they want to march in the streets and they want to make us pass laws and, and say it's okay for men to marry men and women to marry men, uh, women and they want to glory in their shame. And if anybody even w says anything about it, they want to make you an oddball. They Listen, they want to blackball you and they want to make you feel like you're, uh, listen, you're some menace to society uh, because you've got some decency and morality about you. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. I've not lost my mind. They've lost their mind. Amen. And it may not swim in a lot of churches, but by the grace of God, I, pl I plan on plowing that out every day that I'm still here. I'm telling you, I don't care. Listen, they can say what they want to. They can do what they want to. Hey, listen, that's sick is what that is. Uh, and that is sin. Uh, and we've got to preach against it. Or our young people, they're cramming it down their throat. Uh, and they're putting it in cartoons. Uh, and they're trying to make celebrities uh, uh, heroes. Uh, and they're pumping it in their minds. Amen. Well, we better preach against it. Brother, I thank God. I thank God I grew up in a day when preachers wasn't worried about being politically correct. Amen. They wasn't worried about a paycheck. They wasn't worried about a number on the board. They wasn't worried about a pat on the back. And they sure wasn't worried about a politician. Amen. Because a preacher's got far more authority than a politician. Amen. He's got a higher calling and a greater mandate. And thank God they just got up, mounted the pulpit, pulled both hammers back, and they preached against sin. And listen, they wouldn't have cared who was there, and they didn't care who got mad about it. Don't you thank God for that kind of preaching? Not tippy-toeing around. Mealy-mallying, trying to, you know, say it in a diplomat. Let me, no, let's just say it for what it is. It's sin. It's wickedness. 
It's ungodly. There's no exception. No, we've not arrived, but that's a disgrace. And by the grace of God, listen, they can put me six foot under before they shame me into silence. May happen one day, mightn't it? But I'd rather die faithful. And I'd rather die free as to live a coward. Amen. They're disgraced. Well, that's in there somewhere. You'll need to dig that out. Good thing I ain't writing commentaries. Their desires. Look at verse number 19. Who mind earthly things. They're all about the things of this world. I'm going to tell you what the church is to be all about. The things of the next world. The church is not to be about the things of this world. I'm not saying we can't have functions and fellowships. But when they begin, they've not. They've not been in this church. I'm not saying it in that light. I'm just saying it because I know you believe it. And it ought to be said. But when a church gets to the place where it becomes more consumed with the things of this world, you know, I don't think the church is to be building ball fields. I just don't think, I just can't see God in us spending $30,000 on a ball field. I just don't think that's what we're supposed to be doing. And I don't think the church is to be building lakes and, and uh, you know, theme parks. We're not, that's not what we, I'll use the word lightly, but that's not the business we're in. You say, well, that's not scriptural. Well, Jesus said, I must be about my father's what? The father has a business. And it's a soul winning business. It's about spiritual things. Amen. I'm telling you, when it involves eternity, when it involves heaven, when it involves the Father's business, hey, we're to be about souls and missions and, and knocking on doors and, and outreach ministries. Amen. That's what the church is to be about. We're to be about bettering the home and reaching the home. I'm telling you, I'm talking about the Father's business, but their desires is they mind earthly things. There's a lot of churches today that have sold out. They've given, listen, into this world. And listen, their greatest things going on is not the spiritual events, it's the social events. You want to know why some churches could not stand for their doors to be closed during the pandemic and some couldn't stand to open them again? Right there's the difference. Because the churches that were all about the spiritual business they could do without the fellowships and the functions. They couldn't do without church. They couldn't do without preaching. They couldn't, even though we couldn't have church anywhere around the world, so to speak, in a lot of places, we couldn't stop giving the missions and supporting missionaries. We got to keep the Father's business going. Isn't that right? But I want to tell you, them churches that were all about the, the, the social things, well, they didn't mind closing the doors. That's not what they were about. And I say this in closing tonight. No, we've not arrived. We need to follow the examples. We need to fear the enemies. And finally, we need to, we need to focus on the encouragement. Look what he said in verse 20. If our conversation is in heaven, the believer's home going is mentioned here. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that blessed hope is mentioned in this verse. Paul, 
he gives them some encouragement. He mentions the enemies and he mentions the, he mentions the examples, but he leaves them with that great encouragement that Jesus is coming again. He talks about a glorious body. Thank God. He said, who shall change our vile body? A body of humiliation is what that means, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. And he gives us a guaranteed blessing according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Paul, what are you saying? Paul said, look, no, we've not arrived, but you hang on. There's a day coming when, thank God, we will arrive. Amen. You know why? Because he's going to arrive. And I tell you, I'm not much to look at tonight. And I've certainly not arrived. But I want you to know my conversation, my citizenship, and your citizenship, if you're saved, it's not down here. Amen. We've not arrived, but there is coming a day in the moment, the twinkling of the eye at the last trump. Thank God our bodies are going to be changed. And this mortal is going to put on immortality. And this corrupt is going to put on incorruption. And thank God we which are alive are going to be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And we will arrive. Hallelujah. On that resurrection morning, thank God, we're rising up. We're going to a land that's fairer than day. And we're going to our homeland. And we're going, my friend, in a glorified body. Hallelujah. I'm glad I'm not going to heaven looking like this. I will tell you tonight, when someone passes, we... We pick out the finest clothes they have, and rightfully so. Because it's the last time we're going to see their body, and so we want them to look the best that we can. And we do the best we can. The the undertaker does the best he can to make them look as natural as they can. I've always thought people, when they say, well, doesn't he or she look natural? I'm like, I've never seen them that way before. Nothing natural about that to me. And we do the best we can because that's the last time we see them down here. But our best, we all know it's not good enough, isn't it? One day, thank God, they're going to look like they've never... They already look that way. One day we're going to see them. Somebody said, you think we'll know each other when we get to heaven? The Bible said we'll be known as we're known. How did Moses, how did Peter, James, and John know Moses and Elijah? They didn't have no, they didn't have no pictures. But they knew them in that glorified body. I'm going to tell you, when you get to heaven, you're not going to be a stranger, friend. But you're going to look better than you've ever looked. And in a world that's full of discouragement, I don't read the papers. I mean, I just don't anymore, Brother Laddie. I'm not fussing if you do. I just quit. I mean, when they stole the election, I said, forget it. I know that makes Democrats mad, but hey, you know what? Still needs to be said. They do what they want to. Well, I don't hardly ever even look. I look at a little bit now. I watch the weather. If I see something coming on, if I'm in a place of business, I'll watch the weather for it. I'll watch Fox. I lost some of you when I said that, didn't I? I don't trust none of them anymore. I'm telling you, they ain't got anything good to say. You ever went to church and said, I just want to stand up and testify. I was watching the news or I was reading the paper today. I'm going to tell you, God just flooded my soul. No, you ever heard nobody say that. Watch, you've got a blessing over in the New York Times today. 
You're not going to find no good news in this world. But there is, as cold waters, is to a thirsty soul. So is good news from a far country. I'm telling you, this world don't have no good news. But there is good news right here. It is in a world of discouragement. Child of God, don't look down. Don't look around. Hey, lift up your eyes. Look to the hills. Amen. I'm telling you, there's a better day coming. There's a word of encouragement from a far land. You say, what is that? Jesus is coming. And focus on the encouragement. We've not arrived. Oh, but when he comes, thank God we will arrive then. Because we'll be like him, the Bible says. We'll be perfect. I'm not perfect, not uh, testifying that I am, not trying to be right now, Uh, but thank God one of these days uh, I will be perfect. I'll be in His likeness, hallelujah. And as we stand tonight, Paul gives them that encouragement. If you need to come tonight, Sam's going to sing a verse of this old song, if you need to come tonight, you come, what are you focused on? Don't focus on yourself. Don't focus on society. Don't focus on your enemies tonight. Don't focus on your problems. Focus on Jesus tonight as he sings. If you need to come, you come. Jesus keep.